typical reasons we should go to college or we wanted to go to college because there's people who've already kind of parsed truth. That's not necessarily the way it is anymore, but there's people who've studied and they know what, what is a valid source. Uh, they know what, what sources are biases and they can teach people where to get information because some people are posting as uh, gurus out there, but they actually aren't doing the work or they don't have the credentials or the lot, their logic is floored. Welcome back to your Starts Now, the happy hour of finance and business. My name is Stan Lane. And once again, you tuned in to season two. Today's guest, truly inspirational. He's an angel investor in several companies. He also owns a marketing brand. And he has Uplift Community, which is creating so much impact in the world. Please welcome my guest, GF member, Akumbo Atante. Did I say that correctly? A chumboro. A chumboro. Yes, I meant to actually tell you before we came in. Well, I know you don't like um, people not making an attempt on your name instead of cutting it short. I was going to cut it short. And then I remember he said, no, he doesn't like that. So I, I made an attempt. To I appreciate it. it. It's yeah. different. I understand everybody. I truly appreciate the attempt. So that I'm grateful for that. It actually means there is hope. So I have a middle name, Aaron, but I ask people always to call me my first name, Achumboro, because every time they're saying it, they're stating there is hope for myself, for themselves, for the world. So Oh, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm really uh, proactive in having people say my name. Is that something that was embedded from young? Or that as you grew older or wiser, you kind of figured it out? I think it was as I grew older. Uh, I, when I was young, especially people, you can tell what age range people know me by, by whether they call me Aaron or Chumboro, because right. when we came over and I was growing up in the Bronx, I had people call me, uh, Aaron for a while, right? Uh, my little Aaron. And then when we moved to Western, call me Aaron, just because I was more comfortable. I was tired of sticking out. Right. Right. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. But as I started to feel more comfortable and wanting to embrace the, the blessing over my life in my name, mm -hmm. I started embracing the Achumboro side of things. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So it was just coming one with yourself. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. You don't strike me as somebody from the Bronx. <laughs> Bronx don't have no trees. Like, it's a different lifestyle over there, man. Well, um, I'm grateful. I think uh, we moved. So we moved from the Bronx when uh, right before high school, right before high school. And I'm grateful for that in a way. I know many people would still do a lot of work in the Bronx, but I think I was at a tipping point where I was going to be lost. Um, I was going to be lost and I was starting to dive down the wrong path. I wasn't taking school as seriously. I had fallen from a A++ student to like a C student. Mm -hmm. I wasn't caring as much. So I am grateful for that transition, but I can also understand what is going on and why there are people falling in between the cracks mm -hmm. because I saw that loss of motivation in myself. So yes, I may not strike somebody from the Bronx. I really try to bury some of those old habits, <laughs> uh, but also something I tell kids uh, and people growing up who come from the Bronx, who come from impoverished neighborhoods, who come from uh, who are first generation is the struggles is great for entrepreneurship. 
because mm-hmm. that is entrepreneurship. Right. Stru- it's about resilience, mm-hmm. right? That's one of one one of our mentors, Ruben Durancey, He tells us it's always about resilience. You have to live, um, stand up and fight another day. And business is the same as growing up in the streets in terms of you have to live and fight another day. One thousand, not just constantly with your peers or within that neighborhood, but then you're fighting outsiders too. So it's like in business. You're not only fighting, not only trying to get the competitive edge against your competitors, your direct competitors, but then you got to keep, be mindful of what's coming mm-hmm. and be prepared for them as well, too. Exactly. Uh, especially as the world gets more global. I think one of the things uh, we say fight a lot, but also understanding that we can collaborate as well. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, this my shift from the Bronx to Westchester in terms of learning that collaboration uh, style and not seeing everybody as a competitor saying, hey, the pie is large enough or we can learn and add ingredients and grow the pie. Mm -hmm. So that's something as well. But I think one of the things uh, we've been discussing this is uh, traditionally uh, business and competition has moved more global in terms of products, right? So products, uh, companies have lowered costs by turning labor, getting labor from China, India, et cetera. Uh, I think that's going to move to services as well. We typically haven't had, we've had that with call centers mm-hmm. maybe, but other services, tech, uh, security, et cetera, uh, soft, soft services, soft skills are also going to start moving and we're having global, we're going to have global competition on that end. So understanding that as a business owner, that transition to you're not just fighting who's in your neighborhood or um, competing against who's in your country, but you're also going to have to eventually compete on the global market because people are going to move towards what has gives them the most confidence or what gives them the best price. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Is that um, part of the reason why uh, you created Uplift? Yeah, so Uplift actually was a brain idea. Uh, for first, first, first let, let's let's circle back a little bit, okay. right? Because not only that I want you to um, kind of reintroduce yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But tie in what gave you the aspiration to start Uplift. Today's episode was sponsored by Black Mama Vodka. Recent one is the Juneteenth. I always have struggled with this one. Juneteenth Tea by Black Mama Vodka. And then this is my favorite right here, which is the Chai Tea Vodka. This, uh, my personal favorite. I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, This brand is new. It is actually smooth, the Juneteenth. I enjoyed that as well. And, you know, it's good to have a black woman, first distillery, with her own vodka product brand. So once again, this episode is sponsored by Black Mama Vodka. So my name again is Achumbo Atande, and I am an attorney. Uh, I also have an advertising and branding company as well as Uplift Communities, and we're doing some investing as well. And one of the things that I wanted to do uh, growing up for the longest is to inspire others to chase wealth, well, become wealthy myself and then inspire others to chase wealth. I always wanted to go back to my neighborhood and talk to the students there about how to create businesses, how to invest and whatnot. But I realized I was thinking of me in their shoes and I wouldn't listen to somebody unless I knew they did it. Right. So my biggest worry was like, okay, I have to wait till I have X amount of dollars before I come back in order to grab the attention. 
And I was actually sitting here when I first joined GF, uh, Gentleman's Factory. And I was telling Jeff a bit about my dreams and goals, especially when I hit X dollar figure. I wanted to come back and talk to people from the neighborhoods that I grew up in uh, or started off in and tell them how to achieve more in life. And he introduced the idea of government contracting to us. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting because I thought since I didn't have much time, I wanted like a short one hour window, but because of my credentials, because they'll know because of the money, they'll be more interested in living, uh, learning from me. However, he showed how we can use government contracting to have a longer time frame with them. So you can, even if you're not at the point where you want to be yet, you're still able to instill the characteristics or skills or lessons within the community uh, that you'd want to teach them when you reach the age, fame, dollar figure that you wanted to reach. So that's what we've been doing with Uplift. We've been teaching essentially core skills we think are necessary for success, such as financial literacy, entrepreneurship, life skills, and college and career readiness. And we think those are the four major pillars that people need to thrive in life. You don't need all four of the pillars, but having at least uh, expertise or mastery in one of those will have you live a very fulfilling life. So those are the things we f uh, focus on with Uplift, and the goal eventually is to do that worldwide. But we're starting off in New York City, then going federal, and then overseas as well. That's amazing. And, and what kind of like impact you want to have? Wow. So <laughs> there's so much. I'm wondering what I can share and what I can't. Um, so I would say this. So one of the things we want to do is truly change the dynamic of wealth per household mm -hmm. in the black and brown community. And why I say the black and brown community instead of the general community? I think by changing the wealth in those communities is going to improve the wealth in all, almost all other facets of the communities, right? or other communities so do you think that we're we're um, struggling the most or we're not as informed as m most of the other races I think statistically we are in the lower income brackets right on mm -hmm. um, black black and brown households in terms of uh, if you line up what by ethnicity what uh, ethnic household uh, makes 40 grand per year that's more, that's the black household, 50 grand per year, 60 grand, 70, 80. They have that breakdown per uh, ethnic group. So I think by figuring it out, that will solve some of the problems that happen predominantly in our community. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that'll make the city uh, more safe, the city better, schools will be better because they'll have more tax dollars if people are uh, have uh, better incomes. Uh, neighborhoods will be a bit safer because know this is a hot topic but uh crime and poverty kind of go hand in hand mm -hmm. right so as you increase wealth in the neighborhood you're also going to reduce crime as well mm -hmm. uh education we people be able to learn plan travel mental health will uh mental health will be better so there's so many problems we can solve by inc uh by changing the wealth statistics of the black and brown community now and, and i agree with you 100 percent, right but the argument can also be he said that there's a lot of information right now and uh, people could tap into it and still these neighborhoods are um, still driven with crime mm -hmm. and violence mm -hmm. even though the information of financial literacy is being published more frequently than ever before mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that there is a lot of information out there and this is one of the best times to be alive in terms of the search for knowledge. What I would say, and I love not, so uh, one of the things I do, I've been doing for the last two years is reading 100 books a year and this year I'm doing 200 books a year. I don't mean to interrupt you. That's amazing, by the way, because every time you read a book, you share it on LinkedIn. And I like that. <laughs> but go ahead. Thank you. Uh, but one of the things, I, I say that because it's not as easy. I'm saying that as somebody who reads and structures myself. It's not as easy to just pick up a book and read it um, and say the information is out there. Because one, the typical reasons we should go to college or we wanted to go to college, because there's people who've already kind of parsed truth. That's not necessarily the way it is anymore. But there's people who've studied and they know what, what is a valid source. Uh, they know what, what sources are biases, and they can teach people where to get information because some people are posting as uh, gurus out there, but they actually aren't doing the work or they don't have the credentials or the lot, their logic is flawed. Let's say flawed. Let's just say that. So uh, there's a lot of information out there, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there. And we still need people to be able to uh, point our communities in the right directions to go after the right things. Um, but then again, it does also come into mindset and internal motivation. At some point, there has to be a s s switch that's flipped and somebody wants to learn that on their own mm -hmm. or pushing themselves. But it's all incremental. Uh, it's all incremental. So we have to do what we can to push a few people in the right direction and hopefully we hit that tipping point where people and families are searching for information on their own and really uh, scaling up their skills. Uh, what do you think is like uh, the restraint from having that paradigm shift? Like what are some of the restraints that you see personally? <laughs> uh, there's, there's many. I think we are allowing media to negatively affect us, our wants, our interest, um, our beliefs about ourselves. Uh, so I think there really has to be a shift in the music we listen to. Um, I think there has to be a shift in the TV shows we watch or what we glamorize. Because uh, one of the things that I've learned, <laughs> I'm learning to, uh, one thing, if you ever want to be successful, watch what successful people do or listen, or listen to what they tell you. And why I say that, uh, a few years ago, uh, Rob, Rob, uh, he used to tell me um, that he uh, did affirmations, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, that, uh, <laughs> I don't need affirmations. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Affirmations and mindset and positive mindset yeah, yeah. and that he would go in the mirror and uh, beat his chest yeah, and yeah. Uh, do those things to pump himself up. And me sitting there with maybe a few hundred dollars in my bank account, I'm talking to a millionaire, like, I'm not, you don't know what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking in my head, right? right. And, uh, but just learning so many things over the last few years and seeing how much of mindset and the voice you hear the most every day is your internal voice. Correct. So if we don't change our internal voice, mm -hmm. then we're still going to continue doing things we do. So I think one of the biggest things we have to, is change the things that influence our internal voice. Yeah. So if it's, if it's songs telling us to kill each other or hyping that up, we have to stop that because that every time we do that, we're devaluing our neighbors, our fellow human beings, and then we're also devaluing ourselves. 
because other people are listening to that and we're also having a less view of who we are as a human being so i agree 100 percent here's the thing that from my own perspective is that um, when you listen to a certain type of music it does lower your vibration frequency and then you you're operating at a low rate mm -hmm. versus operating at a high frequency where you can be at a stage of creation mm -hmm. now affirmations do work but only if there's some emotions attached to it mm -hmm. a lot of times we just go in the mirror and just say this <laughs> these words but there's no um emotional connection mm -hmm. and that emotional connection develop over time when you start to believe it. Mm -hmm. But you have to give it enough time mm -hmm. to manifest in your belief system yep. for it to actually start to take effect. But it does work, and um, it, with the right frequency, it can really elevate you a lot quicker. Um, but I'm glad you touched on those uh, restraints that we have in our communities. And I, and I also want to be transparent. There's times where I, I don't want to say relapse, but there's times where I do throw on something and I want yeah, to hear yeah. some artists. And I, in the past, when I was younger, I also listened to that music a lot. So I don't want to uh, just have this holier-than-thou moment. But uh, we do need to change what we listen to, what we read, what we watch, and what we eat as well. Because nutrition is a part of it. But mm. as you were saying. No, I agree. I, I, I listen to a lot of music, but I understand the difference now. I think when you're more conscious you become aware like, okay, this can have effect on me, but let me listen to it just to listen to it, mm -hmm. not take it literally mm -hmm. and start acting on certain things. And, and I think a lot of times, and I, when I was younger too, when you know, listening to rap, I used to take it literally, right? Literally like, okay, this is, this is the lifestyle because this is your environment, this is what you see, and it correlates with what you're actually listening to. Yeah. And so you start to have this belief like this, this is it. But then as you get older and then you start to realize, and, and I have a few um, uh, rappers and, and producer friends, and they share with, th their lifestyle is nothing like that anymore because they're removed, mm -hmm. right? But they still have that type of music that they, because that's their sound or that's their, their thing. But they're removed from that action, yep. so it's completely different, you know. But you found ways to uh, reinvent yourself several times yes right? yes from you know being in the bronx to becoming an attorney to becoming an investor you know and then now managing business mm -hmm. so like how were you able to reinvent yourself so many times and still be authentic um wow that that's a good question i think every time i reinvented myself i was mostly looking for the better version of me right the better version of me and i went to law school with the mindset of what do I have to do in order to get um, give myself the best chance to succeed? So I always wanted to grow up. Uh, I wanted to be a M&A lawyer, a corporate lawyer. Excuse me, I didn't know about M&A yet. M&A stands for mergers and acquisitions. I wanted to be a corporate lawyer, and I have never even met a, a lawyer in the never <laughs> <laughs> never met one. And so I wanted, but that that and an astronaut. <laughs> I wanted to be those two things. Uh, but after I decided to go to law school, it was more, I believe that law school was, is a boot camp for life in terms of the way they teach us. They teach us to uh, know the granular details, but also see the big picture. And that's life. You have to be able to, to be great. You have to be able to do both, be able to get in at a granular level, but also see the uh, forest from the trees. 
Uh, so that was, I always viewed as a stepping stone. And on top of that, I, d I didn't have family who I, it was just me and my mom and my younger sister. I don't have like people who could connect me. Uh, so I felt a law school from a, a law degree from a great school would give me the credentials mm -hmm. to come and walk in and be, uh, be respected versus, uh, I don't want to say just, but just graduating for college. For me, I didn't see that as a way for me to get the opportunities I needed. So everything I've done has been a stepping stone, or I've learned that one of the ways this isn't who I want to be. Um, this isn't the end of my journey. Like, okay, what's the next challenge? What do you want to do? And that's really pushed me to this investor slash uplift communities role, which both of those things I think I'll be doing for the rest of my life because I love it. Uh, that's, that's, that's dope. Let's let's think about this for a second. I, I'm, I'm trying to get your honest opinion. If you had uh, no concerns in the world, right, and there was nothing that you, you accomplished so many things, but let's just look at it from this, this ideal point or this framework. Like if I had no concerns, no nothing, what would be my main focus on? Would it be continuing as an attorney, focusing on business or be an investor. What you would give somebody, like what would be your actual passion if you had no cares in the world? Um, so I would, I would actually try to refine that question for me because uh, then my cares would turn from my internal cares to my ex, uh, internal meaning my cares of taking care of my family uh, and myself yeah. to external where I'm just focusing on helping the world with its problems. Mm -hmm. or, um, so if, if I had all my internal needs taken care of, all my internal cares, I know. <laughs> so there's this thing that I've always wanted to do. I have no idea why, but it's always been in my heart. <laughs> it's always been, I, one, I would keep, keep on investing. I'll keep on running business because I just love business. I'm um, yeah. building it up. One of the, my favorite things now is Fridays. Uh, we have some people on team and I love paying our people. Yeah. Like we've changed some lives. Um, and people get and they're so grateful and we've hired great people too who like every time they say thank you and like they they're really uh they really love uh being paid at all the t well paid what they're paid yeah and it feels great to be able to do that so i'll still run business because i like um providing and working with people like that uh investing too i want to invest in 1000 stops and help entrepreneurs get off the ground well maybe not off the get up and running and really flying is what i would say uh, but <laughs> the thing that's in my heart, it's always been my heart. I don't, I don't even know. It's I want to uh, build running water in like Africa, communities in Africa. And oh. I, I don't know, I don't know anything about plumbing. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But I always thought it's so, uh, it's so important. Like if you can take one struggle where in certain villages or certain towns, people have to walk to well and grab water and bring it back to the house, mm -hmm. right? If you can cut out that time frame where they're doing that, they're carrying these loads, bring uh, fetching water, uh, not able to have sanitary toilets, it can truly uh, cut out what two, three, four, five hours out of their day, where now they're having a more efficient home, so they can spend more time studying, they can spend more time uh, improving themselves, they can spend more time with family, and they can work on other other skills. So I'm thinking water, but lately we just me and my wife we went on. Uh, we went around the world for nine months, well, Asia and Africa. And in Af uh, we went to, in East Africa, uh, something that I really learned about communities and stuff like that is the importance of infrastructure. 
like we take that for granted. So I, I was thinking infrastructure will run in water, mm-hmm. but now I'm seeing, okay, uh, in Kenya, uh, in Kenya, in, they were burning trash, right? So now, but that, we had to leave actually because after we, me and my, we were getting heart palpitations. We couldn't breathe mm-hmm. um, just because of the air pollution. So don't get me wrong, there's a lot of amazing things about Kenya, but I think if you were able to cut out that air pollution to actually have uh, garbage pickups and uh, disposals, uh, it can lead to a much better life, uh, better sidewalks, better, uh, better, what you call it, roads, mm-hmm. that transportation system. I think one of the reasons the U.S. became a global power is because we had an amazing road infrastructure. Uh, so, so if we're able to, I'm thinking that at first I was thinking with plumbing, but later on maybe we'll add some infrastructure, whether it's uh, sewage, um, roads. Uh, I don't know if we'll do sanitary because I, I want to build something that other people, I don't know if I want to handle, be monitoring what's going on day to day with garbage pickups and disposal. Mm-hmm. But uh, those types of things I think would focus on because they'll let, uh, they'll let people invest more in those regions. Uh, people can grow older because they're not dying from air pollution, smog, etc. Uh, so those are some things I think we would focus on if, uh, when, let me not say if, yeah, when. <laughs> affirmations, right? <laughs> when uh, hit that internal goal of taking care of myself and my family. That's interesting. I actually was watching a YouTuber. I don't know his name, but I'm going to put it down in the, <clears throat> one of the I'm going to link it somehow. I'm going to figure it out. But um, he said the same thing. If you could solve, if you could save people at least 10 minutes of their time, mm-hmm. you'll be an instant billionaire. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with a lo- the problem solving is re- the key to prov- problem solving is really figuring out how to save people time. Mm-hmm. And if you could save people time, that's saving them money. <laughs> and then in the long haul, you could become a billionaire. Not saying that's why you're doing it because you have a passion for it. It's in your heart. But what he's saying is, if you want to make become a billionaire, you know, quickly solve those type of problems. That's gonna save people time and that would save people tremendous time because mm-hmm. that's a significant amount of jer- um, back and forth journey per day to get water because yep. you, you know you need water to cook you need water to bathe you need water for all these essential things that you do daily and to make that commute back and forth that's good that's a lot of time <laughs> yeah yeah thank you uh, yes time and energy saving people time and energy can really uh, improve the world and make people a lot of money if you have a business idea that does one of those things yeah, yeah. Um, now i know you love um business you said it earlier that's one of your passions what are the what some of the areas that you had to approve on oh, to make you a better uh, business person <laughs> what is isn't an area that i had to approve <laughs> on? <laughs> so one things i learned from a friend john De- uh john delia uh he is a real estate mogul based in Ohio. And one of the things I learned from talking with him is uh, systems. Systems, oh my goodness. So building structures and systems that isn't depending on just you working, trying to automate things, hiring people, uh, putting in programming, schedules, uh, platforms that systematize what you do. Uh, So that's something I'm still working on and getting up, but that's why I'm talking about hiring people. Before my first couple of uh, ventures you know, my first venture I didn't really have a team right uh, no, I had a team later but I didn't system it it was ba- based so much on how much I worked 
Okay. Right. I had to manage things. I didn't have a structure. I didn't have a You gym. didn't know how to delegate at that time. I didn't know how to delegate things that I could do. Okay. I knew how to delegate because uh, we had a... Responsibilities yeah. <laughs> that was already formatted for it. Like, yes. you know, this is your job description. This is it. But there's other things on your plate that you had to learn how to yeah. delegate. Okay. So, like, we had tech developers. I knew how to delegate that because I can't write code. <laughs> so I could... De- but anything that fo- uh, fell into something that I could potentially do, I didn't know how to delegate. So understanding that, and I would say half of our, my conversations with my business partner, Julius Caranda, is about, okay, who can we hire? Who can, what can we do to uh, get this done? Who can we help uh, bring on to get this done? So that shift in mindset in terms of hiring and uh, using platforms to get work done more efficiently mm-hmm. has been a hard switch. Uh, not a hard, it's one of the biggest things I needed to change. Uh, working on humility. I th- we were talking about Talk this about before, yeah, right. right? Oh my goodness, coming out, I was so, <laughs> I was so proud. And and you talked about it came from insecurity, right? Yeah. It came from insecurity and thinking that I had to pretend to have it all figured out um, to really get things across. But learning that, and that's something else I learned from Julius and other people in terms of how to be really humble and just mm-hmm. say ask for help that's one of the biggest things i've been working on the last three years learning to ask for help mm-hmm. <laughs> Think, hey i don't this is what i'm struggling with uh i don't know how to do this uh this is a gap that i have and saying right. do you have any suggestions on that and being vulnerable and it actually ingratiates people to you at first mm-hmm. i was worried it'll push people away but it brings people because it makes you real yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah and yeah. they also yeah. know that you're not trying to get over on them. No, no. Um, so that's something I'm still, even though as a, I'm still working to stay in that stage and uh, yeah. be more vulnerable. Um, you always have to be smart, of course, but uh, being able to ask people for suggestions, advice, and not just uh, pretend that you have it all together. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the, and we we talked about this earlier. It's like um, growing up, we never taught about to really embrace our feelings and to be aware of what it is right Mm -hmm. so we're we're taught to be strong especially men right we're strong to be taught to be strong not to cry not to have these weaknesses right but as you get older you start to realize that if i don't embrace these weaknesses how can i improve Mm -hmm. right i have to realize my deficiencies and say hey I have a lot of shortcomings when it comes to this, so I need to work on that. But you first have to acknowledge it. Mm. And a lot of times we have this huge insecurities that's probably stem from, you know, a lot of damage from growing up and, you know, it's a buildup. But as you get older and you start to ask for help, like you said, and be vulnerable and say, hey, listen, this is where I'm trying to go. Mm -hmm. Can you help me get there? And people are more likely to, because they understand, they know that you're being authentic and it's being true, right? And people don't mind helping because they know they've been in that situation and someone helped them out, you know? So uh, it's a good thing. But I think you probably ran out of everything I wanted to ask you, right? <laughs> That's okay. That's yeah. okay. But here's the thing, last thing, you know, uh, this platform is for young entrepreneurs and creators to go get started on their dreams. So what is the one advice that you would give to someone that has aspirations on becoming successful 
it, whether it's an attorney, whether it's a business person, whatever it is, what one key advice that you would give to get people started in their career and their journey? I'm going to cheat and give two. <laughs> I'm going to cheat and give two. So that means these two are very important for you. I'm going to cheat and give okay. two. I, I think uh, first thing is study the successes. Uh, find out who is the person you want to be in life. Or if, it's, if you have to mash up different people in different sectors, that's okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be in your particular. Find out them and then break down their story. Try to figure out, okay, how did they get from where they are where did they come from and how did they get to where they ended up? And I think that is something success always leaves clues. Like you have to look for them and they're not going to be uh, just handing out, standing in front of you on what to do. But uh, ask people those, uh, find out that and reach out to them if you can and say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. I think you're great in this. Uh, if there's any way I can help you, please let me know. Uh, but I would definitely love to find out about how you went from point A to point B um, whenever you have five minutes or 10 minutes. Don't ask them for 30 an hour, but five, 10 minutes, go to them. If you ask 100 people, you can get 10 people who would say yes to that. Uh, so that's the first thing. Find, find the right people to model your life after. Uh, second thing is work hard work hard because there's going to be so many mistakes mistakes is part of the game it's part of the game <laughs> it's fun so it's it's not like school where you miss this you don't get a hundred that means you fail no you can actually get 10 percent and still make 10 million dollars mm -hmm. <laughs> you just have to stay in the game keep working hard uh not uh, make lazy or um let's say just don't make lazy mistakes but Working hard, it's crazy. One of the things that I love about um, Julius and um, anybody uh, we're really close to is we're, we're here, it can be, okay, we have a project, we're gonna stay all night because we have to get this to client. Mm -hmm. Like uh, being able to work hard is such a key part of the game uh, that most people overlook because it covers up those mistakes. If you're making a lot of mistakes, but you're working and you're working around them, mm -hmm. it's going to give you a longer runway. So those are two things that I would say uh, are helpful but I do also want to commend you because I saw you've been doing this uh, and I think it's really hard to be consistent right it's really hard to be consistent you and your partner and uh, we talked about team and structure right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not if you were just here running everything that would be very difficult yeah. but I think it's fantastic that you're continuing and I bet you feel that you're growing every single day and I loved that you didn't say this is a podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> I love that you didn't say that this is a podcast. So always having that bigger vision and not, not lim being a limiting factor of yourself. So mm -hmm. congratulations. You both are doing amazing, and um, especially what today's a Saturday, so you're pushing it. Yeah. So I love that. Appreciate it. Thank love you. That. And thank you for coming out on a Saturday. Awesome. It's my pleasure. I said, um, I've, one thing I've been taught that work doesn't end when, you know, when, it's, when the project is done, that doesn't mean the work ends. Mm -hmm. There's other things you could do, yeah. but a, a lot of times something ends and then we go to the next, we, we take a break and then we go, it takes a, a long time to build that momentum again. And one thing I've read, um, Jim, Jim Collins' book, where he talks about the, the flywheel yeah. and you have to keep working it until build the momentum until finally it's running on its own. But till then, you got to push it. It's a yep. flywheel, so you got to keep pushing it and, and adding the momentum. So um, it's, it's, it's good when you speak to people like yourself because it's a reminder. It's a refresher every time 
to say, okay, we got to work a little bit harder. We got to put, you know, a little bit more effort in, into whether it's execution, whether it's the communication, whatever it is, they should be, to your point, always trying to get better and see what the next level of yourself can be. That's true. Yeah, so that's, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming thank out. You. Hey, um, I know you still do attorney. Uh, sometimes. sometimes. Very, very little. Very little now. <laughs> very, very, very little, little yes. But if somebody wanted to reach out to you, because uh, I, I, I'm be honest with you, uh, the things that he puts on um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I really enjoy. The books, the recommendation, things like that. But if somebody wanted to tap in with you, what's a good place? I think it would be LinkedIn, Achimbaratande, uh, my first and last name, or uh, emailing me at achimbaratupliftcommunities.com. Because as I said, that's something I'm going to be doing for the next uh, till I retire. That's something I'll be doing, and probably even after I retire. <laughs> My <laughs> kids and grandkids are probably going to have to pry me away. Uh, so, so that's something that hopefully an email that I will always use. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank All you right. for having me. All right, guys, this is it. Uh, thank you so much. We'll leave all the information in the description so that way you can reach out to him, reach out to us. We on IG, we on YouTube. We are on all these TikToks and all the other social media platforms. Once again, my name is Stan Lane. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and please share this content because he drops so much information. Have a good night.